Chris and Will here, and you know, you guys, we have a challenge for you, and it's all about the red shirt. That's right. It's been a symbol of pride since 1991. In 2020, we're spreading the message of diversity, equality, and kindness with the red shirt challenge across the globe. On June 6th, join the world in wearing your red shirt and help us bring us all together hand in hand. Go to kindredpride.org to register. Join us June 6th with your red shirt. Show it off. Hashtag RSPD. It's the show that makes us talk. So why did the tomato blush? I don't know why. Because it saw the salad dressing. <laughs> what about our life? With Chris and Will, season two. Welcome to another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. How are you? Hi! We are doing fabulous. Yes! This week we are talking all about Hollywood and Hollywood gold and then binge watching. Something that a lot of people are doing right now or have been doing, I should say. Uh Um, So it'll be an interesting conversation. But first, let's start off with like Hollywood gold. What makes... Hollywood gold. Now, it's kind of like saying Hollywood brass, but I still say it's Hollywood gold. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's just something not shiny, but it's it's golden. I mean, literally, I mean, it's that spark that just it stands out. I mean, it's different, you know. There's so many elements. There's music, there's acting, there's singing, there's so many formats of it. Yep. Well, if you go back to the golden age, you know, what is the golden age? Basically, in my opinion, the golden age is when it all started. Yes. When true Hollywood became true and real Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And that's what the golden age is. It's kind of like... you're learning from your ancestors or you're learning from your elderly or something along that line, not necessarily old people, but you're learning from the people that started it all. Right. Almost visions and their talent and so forth. Maybe like the Renaissance or going way further back. That's a little further, but yeah. Golden age Hollywood was when really when stardom really kind of was. Yeah. Like just basically something that it's an era that really in history, it's, it's monumental. Well, yeah. I mean, it it was back in the age of when studios pretty much owned talent in a sense. Uh And, you know, talent was signed with one studio and couldn't work for another studio. Uh Where now it's really not, it's really not like that. I don't think it's like that at all. I mean, the only time that I think a talent or a producer or director has an exclusive to a studio is for production projects. Uh You know, every now and again, you'll see that a certain talent has a contract with a certain studio to do X amount of films. That's a little different because sometimes those actors can still go and work for other studios and sometimes they can't. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the same and it's kind of not Yeah, in a sense. What would you say the most legendary 
Hollywood movie would be. Hollywood movie. My gosh. I mean, Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz. Um, just Casablanca. Yeah, Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be the big one. Um, Sound Hello, of Music. Yeah, Hello Dolly. Yeah. Sound of Music. I like Sound of Music. I, it was just, a little long. It's very long. Well, it's the same thing with Gone with the Wind. Yeah. I mean, if you can, you know, I always made a joke that when you're watching Gone with the Wind, don't get gone on the long-winded film. <laughs> you know? But it was good films. It uh-huh. was great stuff. What about television? Oh, well, we've said this before. I love Lucy. Oh, definite. yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say a lot of 50s um, sitcoms that aren't really, really much recognized. Um, there was uh, Patty Duke or Donna Reed or My Three Sons or the men, you know, those type. And then like Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. What about, not necessarily now, but back in the day when Hollywood um, got involved with video games and ah, it became yes. video games. Mm-hmm. My ultimate favorite Hollywood video game would have to be Friday the 13th. Oh my God. Couldn't really play it, but because it scared you just like the movie. Did. I rented that. But I couldn't that play one, it. Oh my gosh. That one yes. and Jurassic Park. Yes. And you know, there were Jurassic several Park. versions of it because there was the Sega Genesis version where you could play as Dr. Grant or the Raptor. Or there was the regular Super Nintendo game where it was more in like a first person in some sections. Yep. That and uh, Aladdin, a lot of Disney games. Yeah. In which the Aladdin for the Sega Genesis was the first one. I think we've talked about this before. Home Alone game. Yep. That's right. I had that one for Super Nintendo. Yep. It's crazy. So what a about Hollywood legend actors and actresses. Oh gosh. Lucille well, Ball, of course. Yes. For me, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, yeah. absolutely. Barbara Streisand. I loved movies that Barbara did. And the same thing with Cher. Yeah. I always loved the movies. You that know, Cher recently did. we rewatched the movie Mermaids. Mermaids. Yeah. Yep. Love going back and watching some of those mm-hmm. older movies. And Winona Ryder was in that yeah, too. Absolutely. And she did an amazing job. Best musicals. Musicals. Um, this is a little biased. And I think I've said this before. Guys and Dolls. I like that musical. Um, you know, I like La La Land. It's original. Yeah, I did like La you know, La but Land. it's also an homage to uh, to Golden you know, Age I musicals. Liked Rent. I yeah. was I was fascinated with hmm. Rent. Yeah, I was. There's a. I can't. Gosh, there's so many musicals that I actually love that I can't really think of right at the moment. Well, I will say this is. I mean, I did this. I did the like the composing music so to speak in high school but it was jesus christ superstar at which at first i was like Never i don't saw that. at first i'm like i don't want to act in this and my drama teacher said well why don't you play piano why don't you try rearrange that's it rearranging music for it i'm like okay i'll do that so that was pretty nifty yeah um i would also have to say as far as musicals go uh west side story yeah, West Side Story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would have to. I would say that. Um, gosh, I'm still trying to. Um, I'm still trying to 
to think of one. It'll, I guess it'll, it'll come to me later. Mm-hmm. So somebody asked is, was Hollywood Chris and Will's dream? And I have to say, no. Yeah. I don't, I think we just kind of happened to come upon it. Yes. Um, our very first production that we did together, remember this, was uh, Spring Breakdown with Amy OMG. Yes, we worked <laughs> with Amy, and we were side-by-side side with Amy. She's uh-huh. a wonderful woman. She really is. Yeah. Uh, who else was in that? Uh, Jane Lynch was in that's that. That's right, yeah. That's, that's right. That She was in that. And mm. then um, Amy Poehler, and then... Gosh, there's so many of them. Yeah. But Spring Breakdown was the very yeah. first one. We It was a beach scene that yes. we had to do. We got so burnt, it wasn't even funny. It was a long day. It was day. a long day for mm-hmm. a small scene. And then we've also worked together in Gilmore Girls. That's there's right. There's a specific episode where you see Will, Chris and Will together in the gazebo. Yeah, in the gazebo. And we, had, we each yes. had a different coat on. We did. We each had a different coat. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting. Yep. Uh, let's see. You know, Hollywood mentors. I'd have to say Steven Spielberg for me. Yeah. Big Hollywood mentor. But to me, that's all Hollywood gold. I mean, we don't really get starstruck. Uh-huh. There's been a few times we've gotten starstruck. But, um, you know, I guess we'll have to save that for a later episode. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, when we were living in North Hollywood... Um, there was a guy who lived in the apartment building we were at and we used to have very long talks with him and he was talking about golden age Hollywood. He was, he and, was. Absolutely. Um, I, those stories are memorable to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was, uh, gosh, uh, starstruck. I'd have to say that, um, you know, uh, I met, uh, when I met Johnny Depp, it was yeah. like, I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was meeting Johnny Depp. We were actually having a conversation. We were walking through the studio and I did not look to see who I was talking to, which I usually do. And then I looked up and I'm like, Oh my God, do you know <laughs> who you are? Yeah. But, um, that one and Anastasia. Yeah. That yeah. was the one I actually had to step in for because as we know, Chris is very talkative and he just, it was like, he couldn't talk. Oh, I it was, was so funny. I love Anna. I think she's and a I'm, wonderful, I'm like, gladly, person. I said, I'll go up to her. I'll say something, you know? And she did. We had a very we interesting a conversation. conversation. But it kind of goes into, that's what makes Hollywood feeling to me. I mean, when you get that experience, I've always said this before, go on the tours, take a tour through the history mm-hmm. and you'll just be amazed by it. And it, it it's just it's just one of those experiences that you'll never forget. Yeah. Put it to you that way. Mm-hmm. Let's go into the history of Hollywood a little bit. Okay. We've talked about this before on our show. The one thing I love about the Hollywood museums, which we'll be talking later in, is the fact that, you know, they have a lot of historic stuff. Like, you know, you can go to the Smithsonian to see the original um, ruby slippers that um, Judy Garland wore in the Wizard of right. Oz. And they weren't originally Ruby. No, they weren't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They were not. Yeah. So I love reliving those Hollywood moments and just the history. If you take some of the grand tours, not the celebrity tours, but if you take some of the grand tours of Hollywood, it gives you that feel of what it was like. And sometimes they kind of miss that and sometimes they don't. Yeah. But um, I love the history. I think it depends Hollywood. on either the presentation or 
maybe even the perception of it, because I mean, Absolutely. you know, so many stories happy ha happened back then. And you know how they're told today, as you're saying, I think sometimes, you know, some information or sort of bits it, are, it are missed. It's lost in the in Yeah, the lost. There you go. So what about binge watching? That, uh, that kind of goes in the history of it. Binge watching is kind of like when you're you're stuck watching something and you just can't give it up. I'd have to say the most recent thing <laughs> we did was probably Stranger Things. Yes, yes. We refused to watch it for so long and then we got engulfed into it. Yep. And then we were hooked and we couldn't get out of it. So yep. Stranger Things. It was just, I think we watched like almost all the seasons at once. Pretty much, pretty much. Yep. We've been big on the 80s and 90s yes. movies and shows. We've been really doing that. Mm -hmm. Um. I remember when we would binge watch Queers Folk. That's right. We made sure that before it came on, on Showtime, we're like, we're on that couch. The TV's right? on. And Ghost Hunters. Yeah. When it first started, we Ghost did, Hunters. Yep. The Naughty Chef. Yes. I remember we talked about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, of course. Yes. Golden Girls, Roseanne, Frasier, Indebted, The Nanny. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I Love Lucy, of course. Bates Motel. I remember when we That's were in right. Hollywood, we would That's right. watch that yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we would binge watch Law & Order SUV. Yeah. Sometimes uh, we would. S Brothers That's and funny. SUV. Brother <laughs> SVU. SVU. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, Brothers and Sisters. We definitely binge watched. Oh, we that. did. Oh, we did. yeah, we did. Um, gosh, the stand, Pee Wee's Playhouse back in the day. Yeah, old cartoons, movie sequels. Mm -hmm. I'm not big on a lot of the remakes. Yeah. I'm really not big on the remakes. I'm not a big fan of them. I usually try not to watch them. Mm -hmm. um, if they stick to the original cast and story, then I'm good. Yeah, but I'm really not big on them. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Sometimes I will, depending, depending, but right. some of them are good. Some of them are not, but mm -hmm. if it's done right the first time, leave it alone. Exactly. My philosophy, yes. you know, that's not remaking. Um, that's ba a re, you know, kind of covering the story differently, I think is, is, mm -hmm. is okay. Some remakes of movies are good. Some of them are not, but yeah. you know, reunion shows I do like. Yeah, I do like. But mm -hmm. today we have an amazing guest with us today. She is a daytime Emmy Award winner. She, of course, is in General Hospital right now. The amazing soap opera. Mm -hmm. She has written several children's books. Nice. Yes. Yeah. In film, she performed in the movie Click with Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. Legally Blonde 2, the recent Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. On TV, of course, I mentioned General Hospital. She was on Reba, Cougar Town, True Blood, Dawson's Creek, Disney's Jesse, and Once Upon a Time. Yeah, and she was also in an episode of Wings, too, Absolutely. with Stephen Weber. She's done voicing for video games like Star Ocean, Till the End of Time. Yes! <laughs> and Ghost Rider, just to name a few. Yep. She also does a lot of animal stuff with animals. Yeah. She's a great blog with that. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Carolyn Hennessy. Yes. And we have the pleasure of talking with her. So we're going to give her a call. So sit back, relax, because Carolyn Hennessy's coming up. We are honored to welcome daytime award winning actress Carolyn Hennessy. 
girl, we are so excited to have you on this show. (laughs) We really, really are. You have such an amazing personality. Yeah. Absolutely. uh, The person that you you really want to have a drink with, in my opinion. (laughs) 20 years years ago, I would have had that drink with you and maybe about seven more. And then, and then we would have seen some fun. But, uh, but yes, thank you, and I appreciate that. And you guys, you guys sound like you're a, a boatload of fun as well. So oh, thank time. you. We yeah. try to be. We, I really appreciate that. That means a lot to us. Well, yes, we 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 try to be. We, you know, we've been we've been together for twenty years, so we have to keep humor in the relationship. You know. Well, of course. Of course, you have to laugh together. Otherwise, really, what's the point? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, the one thing that intrigued me the most is you have a somewhat of a huge connection with Disney. Do you find that kind of odd or interesting? I mean, your your what your 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 family works around or has worked with uh something with Disney and the one thing I learned is your father worked on Annie back in the day as well as Fantastic Voyage so yes yes tell me about that (laughs) the Disney connection it's like I've got uh, I've got mice I've got mice in my veins I've got mice Uh Um, my grandfather was one of Walt Disney's original layout artists Wow. And so he worked, yeah, uh, Hugh Hennessy, and he worked very closely with Walt. And uh, if there had been, you know, you know, they talk about the nine old men of Disney. If there had been 14 old men, then my father, then my grandfather would have been among them. But he was very, very close with Walt. Wow. My father also became an, uh, an illustrator before he was a production designer and remained a fine a fine watercolor and oil artist, a 2D, a 2D painter for his entire life. But when he was an illustrator right out of art school, he was, well, he was one of the principal designers of what is Main Street and the original Tomorrowland in Disney. And he also uh, submitted sketches for what later became the Haunted Mansion. And uh, so I've got that in my blood. My older brother is was an Imagineer for about 37 years. And wow. I have voiced certain attractions at Epcot. I have um, I've, I've done most of my work for ABC Disney. So right, I'm, yeah. We're, it's, all, it's all Disney all the time. Well, what, it, a, it, as far as what attractions did you voice for at Epcot? Um, one was called Audio Antics, uh-huh. and the other was Cranium Command. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, yes! I think both of them were, were in the Wonders of Life Pavilion. That's right. Yep. Yes, which unfortunately yes. is no longer there. Yeah. Right, right. But I was there. I played, a, you know, 175 times a day. So that's, <laughs> that's the Disney um, My father won won an Academy Award in 1966 for his design of Fantastic Voyage. Right. And so and for those who don't know, please go see it. Because yes. as far as I'm concerned, it still holds up as one of the greatest sci-fi movies. And, and the graphics 
you can't get you cannot i don't think with even with cgi they could do better better art direction than my father did um but it's where you it's where they are this this team of scientists is shrunk and they go inside the human body to try and relieve this this brain clot in this in this neuro uh-huh you know, mm-hmm. and i agree so yeah yeah it still holds up the second time he was nominated was for logan's run and the third time was for annie but right. in, but in addition to in addition to those he did some really iconic movies he did young frankenstein he did um sleeper he did dirty harry he did wow. the king kong with with Frank. so many so many kind of legendary films and um and both young frankenstein and fantastic voyage were done on stage five at 20th Century Fox, and I had a chance to be there recently, and wow. uh, put my put my film on the on the plate outside of the studio, which which lists all the films that were done on that soundstage, and they were both there. And it was very emotional for me. Oh nice. yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love yes. when the, I keep telling people if you ever get the ability to go to the studios, go look at the plates and the plaques that are on the buildings, and you can just feel the vibes of uh-huh. so much talent and creativity that went inside those sound stages. I love that. Amazing, just amazing. And I would visit my father. Um, I'm a self-proclaimed studio brat, so I would visit my father every chance I got. And right. I remember. It was during the filming of Young Frankenstein, and it was the days when the the bathrooms for men and women were still actually on the soundstage. And uh-huh. I remember in the they constructed you know the, the giant courtyard in front of um, the Frankenstein mansion, and I was standing there and I heard this high singing coming from the ladies' room, <laughs> and I sort of crept, crept my way over and. It was Madeline Kahn rehearsing in in the ladies' room, kind of where she thought nobody wow. could hear. Like, wow! Wow! That's to listen to her. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is yeah. awesome. So I'm guessing at that point, that's when you knew you you wanted to be in Hollywood. This was your thing. Now, uh, actually, it was it was much earlier. It was I. It was very vivid. People say you can't remember back that far, and I said, "Oh yes, I can." When I was four, <laughs> and I was walked onto the set of Fantastic Voyage. And I said, okay, it's still very, very clear to me. There was, it was dark, very dark on that soundstage, except there was a small speck of light from way off in the distance. And there were dozens of people buzzing around it. And I thought, I don't don't know what goes on there, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) So so there was just an, an innate sense of home for me, walking, just kind of walking through those double doors, into that silent cavern and i said i this is this is this is home for me i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to oh, stay yes. here mm-hmm. so i worked i worked my fanny off to be able to do that as much as possible wow absolutely that's the same way we feel yep. every mm-hmm. time you know every time we walked on the studio lots and we had to go to work we were like this is where i need to yep. be and it's kind of like with this show we would always record our show in a studio <laughs> And so when they, when of course, when everything kind of shut down, we had to move to a different area, and we have to do it at home now. And it's like we we almost we don't feel lost, but we kind of feel lost because the feel of walking in the studio isn't there right at this moment. So you're finding your way, you're finding yourself trying to rebuild that in your own home. It's true. It's true. I'm fortunate in that I love the surrounding that I have created for myself. 
in my home. So I'm, I'm content and my uh-huh. dogs are content and they love having me home. And, and I'm again, finding things to do and keeping, you know, weeding and organizing drawers and, oh, you know, just, just various shenanigans like that. But it's, there's, there's going to come a point and it's coming, I think real soon where it's like, okay, I need to be back on a soundstage now. I yes. really, yes. I got to get, got to get back, got to get back to my real home. I was, I was doing an interview the other day and someone said, how do you know when it's right for you? What is, what is, you know, it's like, explain to the audience how you knew that you wanted to be an actress. And I wanted to say, I, I, I don't know. How do you, <laughs> like, it just, it hits you like a thunderbolt. Uh-huh, yes. yes. Like, struck by lightning. It's like, and how do you describe that? It's like, you just know. Uh-huh. Yep. You do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I get that uh, whenever we, uh, whenever I have to go to Warner Brothers, for some reason, yes. Warner Brothers is the lot that just makes me float in air. I agree. I don't know why, but I can step a foot in Warner Brothers and I just feel the wind and it's just like, wow, okay, can I move in here? Yeah, and you, you know? look at the surroundings and it's just, you're just there and it's like. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, you know. It, we see it in so many movies. I, be, I think it was. I think it was even in Singing in the Rain. I think when, when Gene Kelly and, and Debbie Reynolds are walking outside of the soundstage. But and and you can always tell it's Warner Brothers because there are those there are those beautiful hills in the back. And yes, yes. I never did. And 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 I'm fortunate that it's literally ten blocks from my house, and it where my father has a street named after him, also called the Annie Street. It was a street he designed for Annie. Wow. So before yeah, it's called, it's, now it's called Hennessy Street. And before 9-11, I used to be able to kind of drive up to one of the guard gates and say, hey, I'm Carolyn Hennessy. I'd like to go visit my dad. And they uh. would let me on. And after 9-11, cannot get on for love or money. If, unless you've got an appointment on the lot, which is, but when I do, when I'm working on the lot or when I've got an audition, I take an extra few minutes and just go over and stand, look at that plaque and look at that building that was the, that was the orphanage in Annie and just sort of commune with my dad for, for a while. But it's a, it's a beautiful lot. It's lovely. Yes. It's just so gorgeous. And I, I agree with you. Nothing says studio like Warner Brothers, even MGM or Paramount. That's wonderful. But there's a homey feeling to Warner Brothers mm-hmm. that, it is. that you can't get. Yeah. Totally yeah. is. Yes. Mm-hmm. We used to live, we lived actually in Studio City. So we weren't too far from um, uh, Warner Brothers. So it would almost be a daily thing just to drive around it. And then when I had to do work for Warner Brothers and I was there full time and I'm like, you know, can I just sleep here? You know, here. <laughs> Y'all have all these fake houses. I can just pretend this one's mine. <laughs> you know, it's. Yes, it was just, it was, it is an incredible feeling. But here, let me ask you this one. So you had the feel of Hollywood back in the day. And of course you have the feel of Hollywood today. You know, do you see a huge difference? And is it, you consider it to be good or bad? Uh, wow. Uh, well, I was, I was still except very, very young. I was, I was too young to even realize that the contract system, the system of contract players, that my aunt, my aunt Barbara Rush, she was heavily involved with that, uh-huh. and that was really phased out when I was a very young young child. So I didn't I didn't know that, and I had to kind of scrabble, you know, hard scrabble my way up. Um, 
trying to get an agent, trying to get roles, trying to get this. It was in and it listen, it's it's it was difficult. It was difficult. It was obviously wasn't it wasn't impossible. But I almost wish in a way they'd bring back that contract system because actors were assured of work, even right. if it were small roles, where you could learn, where you could grow. Um I, I in some in many ways I wish they'd bring it back. Today, if I were starting out today, I knowing what I know now, I would almost be almost I think almost too overwhelmed because wow. the avenues of creativity open to people. You've got you've got web series. You can create your own thing. You can submit voiceover auditions from a hole in a rock in Alaska. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean you can there's so much you can do electronically, technically. And the world has op- has just burst wide open, and that's wonderful. It's also, I think, as an actor, daunting. I don't know what I would do. My aunt used to come to me and say, "Carolyn, what is this? What is this audition that you have to do? What what is the, what is that process?" And because she never had to do it as a contract player, they just put her in, you know, Robin in the Seven Hoods or or the Young Lions or the Young uh-huh. Philadelphians. They just gave her. You, she might have to screen test, but she was a part of that studio system, and she was kind of assured a paycheck. Right. And nowadays, I mean, I I grew up, I still have to audition for so much. Right. Nowadays, the idea of creating your own, I love it, but where do you start? Yeah. You know, the idea, the idea of, oh, my gosh, I don't need to wait for someone to say, yes, I will pay you to play this role. I can create for myself. It's wonderful. But wow, you know. Yes. When you're so used to doing one thing, it's uh, it's it's liberating and and a little daunting at the same time. I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's much better all around. And Lord knows, as consumers, we have so many choices. We are not relegated to NBC, ABC, and CBS and Fox. We're yes. not relegated to that. We can go anywhere. You know, right. our dollars can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's exciting, but it's yeah, it's, it's almost too massive. It's like trying to trying to contemplate infinity. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I you know I agree with you on that because with us, especially for this show, how it kind of just started, it was like okay, we're so used to the process and having to go through so many different avenues to get to this point. And for us, it was like, oh, you're already at that point. And I'm like, seriously? Wait, wait, wait what? Right. You know, and that's, so I agree. It's almost easy and simple, but it's almost horrifying at the same time because you're like, okay, well, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me no. And yet in my mind, I'm still telling myself no while I'm trying to be successful at the same time. So, you know. <laughs> Not that I want the vibes to tell me no. So any executives listening to this, don't tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me no. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. I won't. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to listen to you anyway if you tell me no. I'm just going to say, all right, fine, next. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, that was, that's how we had to get to where we need to get to pitch. It was like, okay, well, you know what? We have this one network that'll pay us to do this. But if you don't want to pay me, I have several more that will. So here, let me go back to the way it used to be, you know? Yeah. But, um, I hear you. I hear you. 
yeah, it, it's just, but I agree. It, it is, it's, it's a little bit easier, but taunting at the same time. So let's, you know, I, one thing that I learned um, about you that I love, and I have to, I, I just actually realized this, which is within the last few days, unfortunately, and I'm gonna, I want to get the books, but you are a credible children's author and you have written several books Tell me, can you tell me a little bit about Pandora? I sure can, yeah. Um, it's actually seven books. Seven wow. books, and it's, it's, a, it's called, it's the Pandora series, and the first title is called Pandora Gets Jealous. And if everybody looks that up on Amazon, then the, the rest of the other titles will follow. And it's the retelling of the classical Greek myth of Pandora, but in my series, Pandora is not a full-grown woman. She's a 13-year-old girl who uh -huh. finds the box containing all the evil in the world, takes it to school for a big school project, and naturally all hell breaks loose. And she's hauled up in front of Zeus, who says, okay, well, all right, you did that, and now here's your choice. In eternal torture and torment uh, in, the, in the flame pits of, of Hades, or... You have to go and get everything that got out of the box back in the box. Wow. Seven, seven big, big evils that got out and, and, and assorted lesser evils. And no one in your family can help you. No one really is, you know, is going to help you. Certainly no one in your family. What's your choice? And she says, I will do it. And she takes responsibility for what she did. And she sets out with her two best friends. Because as they say, in, if you fail, there's not going to be much of a world to come home to. And we're not your biological family, so there's no way Zeus can get mad at us. So these three girls set out on this quest to save the world. And in book two, they are joined by this sort of hunky 16-year-old gladiator school dropout named Homer. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. And so the four, the four of them travel the known world. They go back in time heroes and heroines and gods and goddesses and monsters and titans and they have to think for themselves use their wits um uh, take charge hang back assess the situation and and get these evils and there are certain gods and goddesses that are helping them there's one goddess that wants them dead all of them especially pandy wow. and and they yeah and they've got to and they've they have to they have to do it and so the 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 basic like the elevator pitch for the for the book is is when you because we all make mistakes we all right. screw up on a daily basis but Absolutely. when you mm -hmm. step up to the plate and take responsibility for what you do and try to make it right sometimes you get to save the world so ah. so there's that and it's written with a tremendous amount of humor and wit and fun and these three girls. And this one boy, they go through every, I think, every uh, iteration of, of friendship and family bonding and sisterhood. And there are squabbles and jealousies and crushes and who's going to lead today and who's going to have the bright idea and what are they. So, so they, have to, they have to think they're kids, but they have to grow up really fast. And, you know, there are seven books. So obviously... You know that they have at least six evils in the back right. of the box, and I'm not. Gonna, I, w I won't reveal 
anything more than that. But yeah, no a, spoiler alert long, there. <laughs> well, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> so what gave you the idea to write such a story? I was I was in a writing workshop bed, uh, Wicked by Gregory Maguire, and I ah. thought it's so interesting because the way he paints the Wicked Elphaba, she wasn't evil or wicked. She was misunderstood. She was just misunderstood. What she was trying to do was for the benefit of everybody, and it all went horribly wrong. Yeah. And I thought, what other characters, what other women especially, in fiction were trying to do one thing, but it all went horribly wrong. For instance, like, you know, if you do not believe in a traditional Judeo-Christian world, it's like Eve. All right. the sins of the world are are heaped on this one woman. Well, really? I don't know about that. And it's like, you know, or Circe in Greek mythology. Uh, or or uh, and, and then I thought, and then Pandora. Well, the way the, the, the ancient Greeks explained why we have evil in the world is one woman with a box and a tremendous amount of curiosity, and she's the one, and she's responsible. And I thought, that ain't fair. <laughs> right, yeah. That's not fair at all. I'm going to do my, my, my level best to rectify that. And in the process, I sort of revisited my, my inner 13-year-old and got to work out a lot of stuff. That wow. has, because we're all so, so hurt yeah. by kids, by bullies and by our family when they're just trying to do their best and siblings and, and outside influences. And we're, we don't know if what we're, we don't know how to tie our shoes at 13, you know, let alone take on the slings and arrows of the world. So, and if we don't work it all out, we take it. We take those wounds with us into adulthood, mm-hmm. and that forms who we are, good and bad. And and if and so that's why therapists are in business. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rectify an evil done by the ancient Greeks, heaping all the heaping all the blame on this one girl, on this one woman, and I'm gonna try and work out some of the stuff from my inner thirteen year old and uh, and and do what I what I would like to have done if I were 13 and tasked with saving the world. Wow. So that's what it is. And it's and it's but it's I see so many parents even among my contemporaries who just they don't want to they don't want to risk damaging their child by making him or her take responsibility for their actions and mm-hmm. as a result, you know, some of my friends are raising a little Charlie Manson and and it's not going to be pretty. And uh-huh, I thought yeah. No, let's, I agree. Let's, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's and and I was in this workshop, and I wrote a series of short stories based on a lot of misunderstood women in fiction, and I happened to be reading the short story that I wrote on Pandora, and a visiting author who was listening and who was sort of auditing this workshop said, "You know what? Mm, yeah, no, that doesn't need to be a short story. That can be a novel." Wow. And go uh, and write the treatise, and you know, A happens, B happens, C happens, and I went, okay. And not knowing any better. And as I was writing the first book, I said, well, why not? <laughs> there are seven evils in the box. Why don't I just write seven books? Uh, oh, <laughs> wow. Like, like, like it was rolling off a log, which it wasn't. So, uh, but, I, but I did it. So, um, so there you go. There you go. And, and, and seven books later. It is the thing of which yeah, I, think it's, I think it's, you know, acting wise, I think I made a lot of people laugh and, and, but I think my greatest legacy is Pandora. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That is very interesting. 
screen. It deserves to be on screen somewhere. Yes. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, I haven't read it, and I'm going to. Like I said, I just ran into it, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I didn't know that, you know, you had written so many books. I'm like, all right, time to start ordering books now. Mm -hmm. And believe me, it's it's written for, like, you know, the tween audience, but trust me, everyone from, you know, six, I've had had readers young as six and as old as, you know, 86. Wow. It's for everyone (laughs) well it's good because it's relatable entertainment and Mm -hmm. that is the absolute best thing about you know anything in entertainment is relatable entertainment storytelling yes in a sense yes 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 i agree absolutely love that and you know you were touching upon something about your 13 year old self and and going into that storytelling uh i've noticed that you've done voiceovers for numerous video games And for me, video games was a huge part of when I was growing up. And uh, two of them, well, a video game and an animated movie, one of them was Star Ocean Till the End of Time. Uh, Loved that one. And then also uh, Street Fighter Alpha, the the movie. You had voiced Blair, um, Blair Lansfield from Star Ocean. Now, did you know about the story of the characters before going into no. the studio? No. no, no, and here's and here's why. I I could not play video games. Really? Because of the, the no, because of the three D motion and 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 I and I have I had a I had a tweaked nerve in my forehead, which I was I only discovered about five years ago, and so I would become motion sick. Wow. I could not I couldn't do it. So they'd hand me these roles and they'd tell me a little bit about it and I'd kind of, and I would voice these characters and kind of make up stuff and do, you know, as, as, as an actor does out of, out of whole cloth, but I could not play the game. Well, I got to tell you right now, um, when Blair came out in star ocean, cause she was towards the end of the game and that's a very long game to play, by the way, it's not just like an hour or so. But I will say when the voice of that character um, came out, something connected me to it. Like it was different from the other characters. So I got to say amazing, amazing job voiceovering for Blair because it just, yes, yes. Because I mean, and it was just like, yeah, I've been playing this game for hours. I mean, because in nowadays, modern games, you know, you can play for a little bit, then you can save it, then you can come back to it at a later time. So it was towards the end of the game, towards the end of the story, and then all of a sudden, here's Blair, and there's this voice. I'm like, wow, it just woke me up. Like, yeah, I've been playing, enjoying it, but now I'm really enjoying it. So I commend you for that. Thank you. Yes. It's my pleasure. Yes, oh, and it you. it was interesting because Blair came out almost as an enemy when she appeared, but really she's a she's a good guy, you know. And so, what I would like to know is because I think you pl- actually, according to my notes, you played two different characters in that game. You played Blair and you played Julie Garand, and Julie was actually the mother of Flad, which was a son, and um. I think they were almost like opposite characters. How did you pull that off? You know, uh, uh, years at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and American Conservatory Theater and lots and lots of acting classes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's, 
that's that's you you just I think we don't understand that as human beings we are not just multifaceted individuals but almost limitless facets to whatever whatever little whatever little diamond we are mm-hmm, and right. and you just have to dig really deep and start turning facets to the light that maybe you know maybe might otherwise never see the light of day it's also really fun to play against type if you're a nice person it's really fun to dig deep and find the find those aspects of your character that might get you arrested or institutionalized <laughs> and maybe, you can play them and get paid for it right, you can, right. You, and you can go as they say balls to the wall mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm. because it was interesting because julie appears um a little bit before blair appears in the game and julie is a mother and she's concerned ensuring that her son leads a happy life. And she tries to force many things on him, Flad, that he has no interest in whatsoever. And um, Julie's attempting to find meaning and somehow redeem the many disappointments of her own life by pouring all of her energy into her son. So I was like, when that came into aspect, I'm like, wow. There's that character, and then you have Blair, who's the complete opposite, who is actually a friend of Flad's and is all about doing the opposite thing, and that's where the real happiness is, and how you pulled that out was amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I did my job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So tell me about your, your amazing role on General Hospital. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Diane Miller, yeah, yeah. I got a call from Mark Teshner, who's the who's the nine-time Emmy award-winning casting director, about 13 years ago, and he said, "I've got a couple of days of work for you on General Hospital." And I said, "Terrific!" And and yes, and I went in, and it was only supposed to be two days, but I developed this sort of love relationship between uh, Steve Burton and Maurice Bernard and Bradford Anderson, uh-huh. and then. Yeah, Later, Nancy Legrand, and they they just kept bringing me back, thirteen years, and uh, and I I have the best time, and she's she's so much fun to play because they really didn't have a template for her when they just knew she was Sonny's lawyer, whatever. The, right. Okay, she was Sonny's lawyer. She was hired to get him out of this or that jam, and with the then head writer Bob Guza and Jill Phelps and I, and we kind of sort of worked worked kind of hand in hand to create this smart, sassy, fashion loving, shoe hoarding, uh, you know, younger man and younger man enjoying uh, mob lawyer who takes no guff and no prisoners, but has a deep down has a heart of gold and is witty and fascinating and, uh, you know, and uh, is the smartest one, smartest one in the room. Right. So. So and, and she's tremendous fun to play. So much fun to play. Now, here's so. an off-the-wall question. Um, I know that uh, the soap operas are—they usually film a couple of months ahead, a couple of weeks ahead. Are you guys? Do you know if you guys are close to running out of content at this point? I I believe. Well, here's the thing: if we put on a, sh- I believe we are. If we had put on a show. As, as per usual, a show every single day. But I think what the network decided to do is intersperse new episodes with classic 
old episodes, like yes. digging deep into the archives. They so have. I think we are not we are not going to run out. Um, Good. Depending on how I I'm thinking we're going back to work mid May. At least I have my fingers crossed. Yes. Um, and yeah, yeah, and I but we're going to have to play serious catch up. I know that one of the soaps when everything shut down for for COVID. One of the soaps was in the middle of filming their Halloween episode. So they're golden. <laughs> they, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, uh, they got a whole bunch that they can show, but not us. Um, but, so I think we're going to have to play catch up. Right. Wow. So, wow. Well, what yeah. about, um, let's go into one of my favorites, Cougar Town. Yeah. yeah Love uh, me some Courtney Cox. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's fun. She's a lot of fun. Yeah, Barb was, um, Barb ended up being kind of, for a while, the only cougar on Cougar Town. Uh-huh. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, Barb was really the most fun to play almost of anything I've ever done because it was like coming in for a few seconds every episode, dropping a little comedy atom bomb, running away, and watching the destruction. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the writers were, would, I, I mean, the writers were so in tune with Barb, they knew exactly how to write for Barb. It was, there was, it was there was never a miss, right. never a miss with what they with Barb to say. And it was so delicious, so horrifyingly, um, um, inappropriate, uh, and, and so much fun, just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a, that was a great, great, great show. I mean, you have been seriously. You have been on pretty a lot of shows we pretty much have watched yes. all the time. I noticed you were on Reba, which we watched that endlessly too. Uh, yep. And then uh, Once Upon a Time, we yeah. binge watched that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, list that just fun. yes. Oh, it was. I remember. Gosh, I can't even think of her name. Can't think of her name. She. She she played the evil queen. She came here. To, they did for, f- filming here in Florida, and we saw her film. I can't even think of her name. I think her name is Lana Perea. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she was. She was. I, I, and I, do, I I I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in ages. I do not know if it is still if they're still airing uh, original episodes. But uh, she was a lot of fun. Very very nice to me in the makeup trailer. Very nice. Oh, I bet. Because I, I, I bet. Was, Yes. Oh, I bet. Yes. Yeah. So, so let's now, go. Have in. you guys? Go ahead. Question. Have you? Have you guys? Uh, do you guys watch anything streaming? Have you guys seen Studio City, which is Sean Kanan's um, sort of love letter to the soap? Have you seen that yet? Because I have not. No. Yes. Yeah. Well, you. I'm, I'm going to tell. I'm going to admonish you, to guys, to go watch it as soon as this interview is done. It's. Uh, it's really, really interesting, and we are lucky enough to have seven pre-noms, pre-nominations for the wow. daytime Emmys. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Whenever those daytime Emmys are going to be held, as you know, everything's been put on hold. Right. But it's, uh, it's a wonderful show. Sean Kanan, Tristan Rogers, Sarah Joy Brown, myself, and it's interesting because people hear those names and they think, oh, well, that's just a... That's just a streaming soap opera. No, it's not. Not at all. It's a drama that just happens to have some truly fine actors in it that happen to have been on soap. And it surrounds a soap opera actor, but he's 
so we see a little bit of his life, but he's he's aging out. He's facing this sort of uh, internal and external crisis in his life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because as you know, those are beautiful people. And he's he's aging out, so it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful show, and I'm hoping that everybody who is uh, within the sound of your voice will 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 check it out. It's called Studio City, and it's wonderful. It, and and it's it's ten no six episodes, ten minutes each, so it's basically an hour of your time, but it's well well spent. And where well spent. where is it playing? Um, I think I think it's on. Is it on Amazon Prime? I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, okay. And if you if you just Google Studio City. Studio City, the series, you can find it. Okay, and yeah. Be, and Sean Kanan, yeah, it's wonderful. And that's the thing that's out there for me right now. Wow. Well, I definitely will. Mm-hmm. I definitely will. Now, before we start wrapping this up, I want to talk a little bit about you have a, you host an animal show, uh, so to speak. And I watched some of the episodes and I love it. I have to thank you for putting on a series like that. That is, it is so good. And it is so interesting to hear all the different professionals point of view and a good point of view, um, display the nature of what a zoo is and the importance of what a zoo is. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, the, uh, the company that was hosting it, um, you know, I had to uh, I had to gently take it away from them. Uh, so I don't know if it's still up on the UBN Go website because um, there were some there were some issues. But I've got to actually figure out how to get them all on YouTube. And once I do that, then everyone can go and watch them. It's called Animal Magnetism, and it's uh, it's an advocacy show. It's it's, it's tackling real world problems with realistic solution mm-hmm. not you know let's not it's it's it, it, it's from an advocacy standpoint not an activist standpoint and there's a big big difference modern zoos and aquariums and then how these are like the last bastions of of preservation and conservation for species that are disappearing in, you know every single day and zoos and aquariums the modern ones not the roadside attractions which should be shut down but the modern ones that really love and care for their animals and preserve these animals for future generations because we don't care about what we don't know about. Right. And if we know about something, we care about it and we want to see it preserved. So I'm not a hey, let's burn down the zoos and walk down, walk you know, walk hand in hand with the animals down Main Street. No, that's that's unrealistic and that's that's incredibly naive. So um, when when I get you know, when I get everything on YouTube, in fact, that's what I, that's, that's another project I will tackle during my quarantine. Um, <laughs> I will, I'll be, I'll be announcing that the, all the animal magnetisms are up on YouTube. I will, I'm going to have to kind of get to that because I've been a little flat. And then once quarantine is over, I, I do need to find another hosting facility for the show to have it continue. So, right. um, so there's that. Well, let so me. People be on, be on. Let me ask you this. I mean, it might be a little bit off, but you I know you've talked about it a little bit for, before. So tell me what how you feel about the uh, the whole SeaWorld fiasco. Yeah. SeaWorld is one of the greatest institutions on the planet. Agreed. And yes. And, yeah, and Don Brand show uh, her death uh, by Tilikum, you know, when it were Tilikum should never be blamed. This was not a. This was not a, an orca who who went insane and murdered right. his his trainer. Um, 
John Brown show, listen, you never want to blame the person whose life was taken because that's, that's just, but however, however, having said that, Don Brand's show, if you ask her family, I think they have said she went out almost like the way she would like to go out, in, if, if, if that makes any sense at all. In other yes. words, she knew what she she knew the risks that she was taking every time she stepped, you know, into that animal's enclosure. And she loved that animal. And by all, for by all accounts, he loved her. And from what I'm able to understand, he thought he was playing with her, that it was playtime. And she, she was not prepared to be to be dragged under. She had not she she and so she was caught unawares. It's right. a it's a tragedy that that should never have happened, but it did. But the the other side, the as I like to call them, the batshit crazy activists, pounced upon it. They used it. They said this this animal is insane. It's no, it's not. But but the people who do not want to do the research and kind of and and for themselves willing to just believe anything that that makes them feel better and it's like and saying this and saying that SeaWorld is so awful and the trainers need to come out of the water they should never have come out of the water because right. showing that bond between animal and human is is is, is integral mm-hmm. and 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 then you know they kept pushing and listen i mean we have there are people from the, the activists that would go and pour, pour chlorine into the into the dolphin enclosure trying to kill the animals and and the people from SeaWorld who are just doing their job, not getting paid a hell of a lot of money, doing their job. I mean, I don't know if your audience knows, but that so much of the so much of the money that SeaWorld takes in every day goes to research, rehabilitation, rescue, and right. relief. And 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 what these people do twenty four seven. They're probably out there doing it now. And, you know, these, these people, they comb the beaches for the stranded animals. They take them in. They rehabilitate them. They give them all the nutrition and the water and the nutrients that they need and the love and the care and the medical attention. And then they release the ones that they can. That they can. And the ones that they can't, that would simply die in the wild, they add them to the collection and give them a forever home. And activists are, have, I mean, are, will throw bottles at them and they will throw rocks at them as they are out on the beaches in the rocks for these stranded animals. And so people have to ask, actually really have to ask themselves, you know, is it, you know, the animals in the collection of SeaWorld are animals that was, they were born in human care. They could never survive in the wild. Right. They simply couldn't. And, and they serve as ambassadors for kids who will never go out on a, on a you know, on a, you know, on a boat and see whales in their natural habitat, which, by the way, we are poisoning at a uh-huh. rapid rate. Mm-hmm. So they come and they see these wonderful animal ambassadors, and that's how they want to save them. SeaWorld itself is responsible for the military ceasing using orcas as target practice. Yeah. So, so, I mean, people have to learn to love these institutions. They have to learn to, and under, but to, but to understand the tremendous benefit, not only for these animals that are in human care, not only for the research that they are, you know, the, the, I mean, sonar. They're 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 researching how how animals communicate so that they so that they learn when to turn the propellers off so that they so that the animals aren't just subjected to boat strikes up in Puget Sound. Yeah, and 
And and so and and but also not for the animals, not for the well, not for the research, but for the, for humankind to learn to to learn about these animals. So, Absolutely. so that was a very long-winded answer, and I hope people didn't tune out. But there you go. We no, it was wonderful. Them. Yes, I it mean, was wonderful. We're yeah. always open to listening, and I'm glad you said that. So thank you. Yes, thank you for yeah. that. So tell me yeah, your and website and where people can find you. People can find me at www.carolynhennessy.com. I'll spell it out for you. It's C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-H-E-N-N-E-S-Y. And that's good for the Instagram and the, and the website and the Facebook and the Twitter. And, uh, and something that I'm doing every day on Instagram is in my bathrobe because, you know, really, why, <laughs> why change? Uh, I give out a daily challenge every day, and it's not a sort of an airy fairy. Let's like you know, you know, let's 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 all levitate and find our inner selves. No, it's it's two two challenges every day that are educational and fun and free and make you feel good and make and make the and make the world uh, feel good around you. And uh, and so so if everybody uh, logs on to my daily challenge, I hope they do. And I just want to say one last thing. When I am reincarnated, I hope I'm reincarnated as an orca at SeaWorld. <laughs> ah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so much fun mm-hmm. and an honor, of course. Yes. And well, thank you so much. Fun. And, and yeah, let's do it again. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. Well, you yeah. know, whenever all this kind of calms down, then we're we've got so many people to visit in LA. I'll have to uh, give you a buzz and say, "Hey, look, we're in town. Let's let's go have some fun. Let's let's yeah. get pancakes. Woohoo! Because you guys sound like groovy people. Oh. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Wow. Well, Carolyn, again, thank you so much for joining us. And be well, be safe, and we will definitely be in touch. Love it. Love it. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. These, of course, are the moments we live for. Yes! Absolutely. All about our dream in Hollywood and what we want to accomplish, what we've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing going back for what she's accomplished through her family and everything she's done. Yes, a multi-talented author and an actress. Absolutely. And, you know, we're looking forward to doing some future stuff with her. Mm -hmm. So be sure to go to her website and check out all this cool stuff she's got and she does coaching too yeah and you need to go get those books yes we're gonna order those books as Mm -hmm. well but we want to thank carolyn from coming on our show we want to thank you guys for coming on our show week after week after week Uh after week and you know what next week we got another great episode of what about our life with chris and will all new topic and all new guests yes and of course this is our 40th episode yay yes and we give it all to you we thank you so much without you we could not make this dream a reality and help you make your dream a reality so Mm -hmm. thank you combining season one and season two this makes episode 40 so Mm -hmm. thank you guys so much for that we appreciate all of you absolutely go check out all of our information on our website kristenwill.com and you can follow us on instagram at chris.ian.will and be sure to tell your friends about us and tell everybody about us we love to entertain we love to keep you well and remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return but for now guys we gotta go we'll see you back here next week but for now bye bye